The Day the Dolphins Vanished Beatrice Benson, B.B. to her colleagues and friends, would be at home in any exclusive beach resort anywhere in the world, tanning her perfect body while her long, lustrous, light brown hair absorbed and weaved the sun's rays into auburn and blonde highlights as legions of men tripped over one another for the chance to fetch her a cold drink, a towel, sunblock, or anything else her heart desired in hopes of gaining the simple reward of the flash of her brilliant smile. If she were not preoccupied by more important things, B.B. would have been amused by these attentions of which she was largely unaware, in part because she was not the type to frequent beachside resorts or spend much time lounging on beach chairs, and in part because her preternatural beauty and credentials, Ph.D.s in marine biology, electrical engineering, and linguistics, all earned by her thirtieth birthday, quickly burned off the wings of desire of mere mortal men, who were attracted to her like insignificant moths hovering about the seemingly friendly blue flame of a Bunsen burner, leaving them in a similar position in trying to hold a conversation with her as the average chimpanzee trying to grasp the finer points of the allegory of the cave from Plato's Republic. Fortunately for both moths and men, not too many moths fly about the average lab, and not too many men hang around the out-of-the-way craggy beaches and immense stretches of ocean that B.B. made her home while working largely on solitary projects, conducting research, writing papers, and otherwise contributing to the advancement of her fields with an IQ that Einstein would have envied and a work ethic that would have made John Calvin proud. Her current project had taken her to Florida's Gulf Coast, near Navarre Beach, in Santa Rosa County, but far from the crowded, condo-dotted beachfront. A generous grant from the National Science Foundation allowed her to take her floating laboratory, a modest, converted cabin cruiser, wherever she went, carrying its precious cargo of high-end computer and electronics equipment, with which she hoped to bridge the communications gap between dolphins and humans. Her study of the available data had long before led her to the conclusion that dolphins have a highly evolved language. Computer analysis of sounds emitted in the audible spectrum alone showed repetitions that closely mirrored speech patterns that span across all human languages. Lesser intelligent mammals emit sounds that convey meaning to their own species, but these are typically limited to communicating very basic information essential to the survival of their species such as calls warning about danger or the availability of food or simple warnings for others to keep away. Even insects evidence the ability to communicate that kind of information to their own kind. But dolphins and most whales are in a different category altogether, possessing brains that are larger than the great apes, including Homo sapiens, and evidencing the ability for complex communication. It is one thing to recognize the fact that speech is taking place, but quite another to be able to decipher that speech, let alone translate it in a meaningful way, so that it can be understood in its proper context across species. Even when dealing with human speech, it can be quite challenging to interpret from one language to another, even for native speakers of the languages being interpreted. But our shared humanity allows us to at least understand certain emotions such as anger, fear, 
pain, sadness, and love without the need for a universal translator. Drop a human being with money in her pocket anywhere on the planet and she will have little trouble finding food to purchase, the shelter of a hotel room, and an endless number of consumer goods that she can easily purchase at the local market. Moreover, she needs no language at all to determine the intentions of people with whom she interacts as there are an endless number of nonverbal clues that all of us emit that can allow others to, for the most part, accurately gauge our intentions and label us as either probable friends or foes. The best machine translation available today still yields results that can range from comical to tragic depending on their context and use. Anyone who has ever tried to decipher instructions accompanying low-cost, assemble-it-yourself furniture or other similar consumer goods imported from non-English-speaking countries outside of the U.S. can attest to that fact. Even when dealing with a common language, the very real possibility for misunderstanding exists due to the regional usage, slang, and pronunciation variances from different regions of the same country and especially when dealing from a common language adopted by countries for their own use. An American from Mississippi and an Englishman from Liverpool both speak English, but will likely have some difficulty understanding one another, especially if they possess only a rudimentary education. The same is true for a Haitian and a Parisian, a Puerto Rican and a Spaniard, or for that matter a Spaniard from Galicia and one from Seville, Valencia, Madrid, or Barcelona, even if they are all speaking Spanish rather than their local regional languages. Indeed, the simple verb coger in Spanish, which means, and has always meant, to get or to grab to a Spaniard, means to copulate to an Argentine. Thus, coge las llaves, take the keys, means fuck the keys in vernacular in Buenos Aires, and cojame de la mano, Take my hand means something equally obscene. Fortunately, when it comes to human languages, we have native speakers, interpreters, dictionaries, and when all else fails, comedians and diplomats to help bridge the potholes along the road of cross-cultural communication. No such tools are available for interspecies communications, making the process of communication infinitely harder for both species even when our closest genetic relatives, chimpanzees, or other only slightly more distant intelligent cousins, such as gorillas, are involved. But what may seem like insurmountable challenges for the rest of us are only interesting, irresistible puzzles for the likes of Bibi, who is uniquely qualified to tackle the problem because of her complementary competencies and inexhaustible patience. Using the resources of her university as a professor of marine biology and her NSF grant, she had spent a one-year sabbatical working with half a dozen dolphins in an attempt to develop a dolphin-human speech interface. Aside from the dedicated software she had developed to achieve a real-time translation program, her equipment was relatively simple. A supercomputer, an all-weather, outdoor, portable, large-screen projection system, and an extensive array of ultra-sensitive microphones and speakers, capable of recording and reproducing sound well below and above the normal range of frequencies audible to the human ear. With the equipment in place, the experiment methodology was simplicity itself. Images, both still and video, were flashed on the screen with microphones above and below water recording the dolphin chatter 
while the English word or phrase accompanying the visual material was broadcast in above and below water speakers. The overarching concept that BB banked on was that dolphins would be intelligent enough to make the connection of the attempt to communicate and be able to learn at least some rudimentary verbal concepts with the assistance of the usual reinforcements, treats, physical contact, and genuine care and attention being paid by a patient trainer. It was her hope that by recording and cataloging the dolphin sounds that accompanied the flashing pictures, her computer software would be able to distinguish the dolphin equivalents for at least some of these visual representations over time. Her methods were simple, and they worked. Over the course of a few months, her software was able to decipher hundreds of words, and her linguistics database began to expand exponentially. By the end of the spring semester, the data-gathering portion of her experiment was completed, and she was ready to take the experiment out of the lab and into the field. She intended to move her portable lab to a remote location and attempt direct communications with dolphins in the wild. The translation software allowed her to engage in simple communication with her dolphins in captivity. That was a breakthrough beyond anything that had been previously accomplished in her field. But it was not enough. She needed to be able to gather additional data from a larger sample to make her linguistics database and translation program usable beyond the simple, if groundbreaking, communication accomplished in the lab. With the ability to communicate with perhaps dozens of dolphins in the wild, she hoped to complete both the translation and linguistics database and be ready to publish her findings before the beginning of the fall semester. But she also hoped that by taking her experiment into the field, she would be able to improve the simple interspecies communication she had achieved thus far and transform her experiment into a true, comprehensive, two-way translation program allowing for the first interspecies conversation in history. The potential for establishing an interspecies dialogue of expanding and sharing knowledge beyond the limits of our own species was within her grasp, and she would not rest on the laurels of her accomplishments until she saw her efforts come to their full fruition. Armed with the basic translation program and a vocabulary of several dozen words, she set up her portable laboratory in a remote cove that offered a natural harbor deep enough for marine mammals to approach the shoreline at will and participate in her experiment. She set up the large projector and screen within 20 feet of the natural harbor, making it easily visible from the water level to any dolphin that cared to approach. She submerged her microphones and speakers and also placed versions of both above the waterline. Working from her cabin cruiser-turned-floating lab, she began a simple series of calls using her limited vocabulary to try to entice wild dolphins to attend. She spoke words into her wireless microphone that the below-deck's mainframe translated into their appropriate clicks and chirps at the subsonic and audible levels and broadcast their dolphin equivalents through the speaker arrays. Come, food, see... Come, talk me. Treat here, come. Friend, see, hear. Food, good human. Pod, friend. And many similar variations using her limited available vocabulary. Within a half hour, she spotted her first dolphin, curiously bobbing its head above the water. 
Then she saw another two swimming in. They swam close to the speakers, doubtless confused, but curious about this loud, non-dolphin with severe speech difficulties. But they came and continued to come, gladly taking the mackerel and squid treats offered by Bibi, who soon lowered herself into the water to swim amongst them, waterproof wireless mic around her throat, repeating words and phrases she hoped conveyed the appropriate meaning in their native speech. Me, Bibi, pod friend. She gently touched and swam with the dolphins for a short time as they chattered in audible and inaudible language, all of it recorded, catalogued, and translated where possible by the computer aboard her small research vessel. After her goodwill swim, which seems to have been as enjoyable to her new friends as it was to her, she reluctantly climbed aboard her boat and set the projector to its normal teaching program. By that time, there were at least a dozen dolphins in her tiny natural harbor, all of which stayed to watch the show while chattering amongst themselves. Over the next several weeks, her audience grew to dozens of dolphins, which came and went from her natural harbor long after the treats had run out, glad to swim with her and watch the projected and narrated show with apparent interest. She would take breaks to play with them for hours every day, and also to gently test their knowledge using the increasing vocabulary database identified by her computer. She could not understand their language beyond words here and there from their simultaneous translation sessions, in part because her translation software had difficulty with the wide range of chatter from the unexpectedly large number of dolphins. She would eventually refine the raw data into more meaningful speech, perhaps developing subroutines that could better identify the discrete voices and string together their words. For now, it was a glorious cacophony, making any attempt at simultaneous communication impossible. Dolphins, on the other hand, seemed to have little difficulty understanding her. She could show them any object, ask them to go get it, throw it in any direction into the water surrounding her boat, and see a number of dolphins immediately race off to find and retrieve it from the ocean floor. Indeed, they would take turns doing so, perhaps ruled by social norms or game rules that were beyond her comprehension at the moment. She seemed to be the best entertainment in town as their numbers grew over time, despite the fact that she had stopped resupplying her stock of treats and used only the personal reinforcements of attempting to communicate, swimming amongst them, and showing them genuine interest and affection, to which they seemed to respond in kind. Friend, good, and happy were words often translated in the otherwise largely unintelligible cacophony of their chatter and multiplicity of words strung together by a program not yet able to filter out meaningful communication from the always-on din of constant verbal communication coming from everywhere at once. Within four weeks of the start of her experiment, she felt comfortable enough to move well beyond the programmed language-learning mode of her system to a genuine attempt to convey meaningful information to her new friends. She found and conveyed an unending series of visual and verbal information as much as her exceptional amphibian students would tolerate without loss of interest. She started with short narrated videos that seemed of interest to her attentive charges and slowly advanced to more challenging material, such as narrated documentaries about all aspects of the human condition, 
from fluffy travelogues to stunning vistas documenting the wonders of the world. No matter what she showed them, they remained attentive, leaving to forage for the plentiful food in the area from time to time, but always returning promptly to their classroom. Their interest seemed undiminished, no matter what she shared with them, so she expanded her round-the-clock projected videos into other areas that might convey useful information, including science and the arts. These, too, they observed with interest, their numbers increasing daily to a point that she had to move the projection screen closer to the shoreline and raise it so that it could be better viewed by the bobbing, attentive learners. Eventually, after many weeks of gently introducing her charges into the various aspects of human knowledge, the arts, and history that could be conveyed via narrated film, she slowly, very hesitantly, introduced materials into her Internet-streamed video content that she had purposely held back that dealt with the less appealing side of human nature and introduced her attentive charges to the ample evidence of man's inhumanity to man from the inexhaustible video archives. War documentaries, famine, concentration camps, mass graves, destruction reigning in from above and the aftermath in cities such as Berlin and London, horrendous naval battles, nuclear bomb tests, and the aftermath of the only use of nuclear weapons to date in anger, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, with the images of the untenable human suffering of survivors, civilian men, women, and children, with horrific radiation burns. Apparently, the dolphins had finally had enough. Without chattering, without warning, without a second look, they began to swim away as one into the open sea. Bibi shut off the video and picked up her microphone, calling for them to return. Neither food, nor friendship, nor love, nor any other words of entreaty faithfully translated by her computer from English to dolphin could stop or deter their hasty retreat. They swam out to sea, uncharacteristically below the waterline, no dorsal fins visible to mark their retreat, and no happy bobbing or jumping above the waterline. Gone. Every last one. Over the waning days of the summer, B.B. finished her research and eventually published her findings to critical acclaim and a Nobel Prize. She had accomplished what no other human being had ever done, established true, sustained communication with another intelligent species. And the recipient of the information had reacted in a way one might expect of any intelligent species, save our own. There is absolutely no doubt as to the ability of humans to speak to dolphins, or of dolphins to quickly communicate new information amongst themselves, as evidenced by the fact that within a month since the end of that most successful experiment, no dolphin has been seen near land or a vessel of any size anywhere on earth. And Bibi knows only too well that none will ever be seen again. Good students, these. Fast learners. If only we could see ourselves through their bright eyes.